Have you ever wondered why some business people are more successful than others? Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. The Mentor List specializes in interviews with top business minds. Listen to their stories, list their habits, and most importantly, gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hi, welcome to the show. Today, I am super excited to introduce Tim Fong. Tim is the co-founder of Airtasker, and he co-founded Airtasker back in 2012. So Airtasker is an online and mobile marketplace enabling users to outsource everyday tasks. In 2013, Tim raised a total of $3.5 million, which valued Airtasker at the nice round figure of $10 million. So I do make mention to this in the show, but just between you and me, Airtasker has made the possibility of the mentor list a reality. And once I finally realized that I didn't need to do everything and that I couldn't do everything, Airtask has given me access to some amazing talent across Australia. And it's sort of left me free to, I guess, focus on what's important, like doing this intro. So Tim's bio doesn't even begin to stop there. He's also a co-founder of Tankstream Labs, a co-working space and entrepreneurial community up in Sydney. He's a non-executive director at GoCatch founding team member and investor of mobile startup Amazim, director of web startup Joe Button, which is an online fashion tailoring service, director and co-founder of Circuit Club, which is essentially a motorsport club. So prior to this, he spent five years in investment banking at Macquarie Bank. This is where he started. He actually started working for free there. So stoked to be named in Smart Company's Hot 30 Entrepreneurs Under 30 and named in Shoestring Startups Young and Influential list. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with serial entrepreneur Tim Fong. Tim Fong, welcome to The Mentor List. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. No, no, my pleasure. Thank you for agreeing to come on the show today. I just wanted to give you a little bit more background as to sort of how I, I got in contact with you. So Airtasker, for the people that don't know what it is you'll find out soon when Tim talks about it a bit more but essentially it's been the backbone of me being able to produce a podcast show and series so there's a lot of tasks and activities that go into this and Airtask has been a, an inspiration for me around you know being able to take those tasks and get other people that are more skilled and better qualified to do it and that have the time to do it and so yeah Airtasker actually put a put a task on there probably about two weeks ago and that was hey guys, need to get Tim Fung onto the show, onto the mentor list. And so I put that out there and then I went to bed because this was sort of last thing at night and this is sort of after Tim, I just sent you a message on LinkedIn, I think. And I'm like, oh, he's never going to reply to me. <laughs> anyway, I wake up in the morning and there was a reply from you. So I'm not sure. I think you're in America or something that <laughs> you'd said, yeah, Dave, I'll come on the show. I'm like, oh shit, okay. I better cancel the Airtask job. So I logged into Airtasker and yeah, I had eight people already willing to sort of take it on and get you on the show so i think they were ranging from anywhere from 25 dollars to 250 was one guy had an elaborate scheme to get you on (laughs) so anyway you're on the show and i'll stop gas bagging on because i know time is precious but yeah welcome to the show tim again and no worries thanks thanks for having me so i guess the first question is so not everyone's familiar with airtasker and, and tim fung as i might be but Maybe if you could just share with the listeners a bit about your story. Yeah, so I grew up in Australia, went to, to New South Wales University to study marketing, tourism and hospitality management and actually, you know, was really interested in, you know, being in the tourism and hotels industry. 
as part of that, I was working in a in a hotel, and I remember seeing a, an ad on the on the UNSW jobs board for an internship. And internships that you got to work with, like Greg Norman and Steve War, and all these cool sports people. And it was at it was at Macquarie Bank, working in their golf and leisure department. And I thought, you know, that sounded really awesome. So. I applied to do that internship and was selected to do it. So that was pretty cool. And that was sort of like a year of pro bono work, which turned into about five years working in investment banking and M&A. So I did that for about five years. And in 2009, I was watching a lot of the show Entourage. And I wanted to be like Ari Gold. (laughs) You know, so the celebrities thing kind of comes back into it. And so I applied to work at a bunch of like talent representation agencies. And I was luckily picked up by one called Chic Management, which, you know, discovered people like Miranda Kerr and, you know, other people, other top models. So it's one of the biggest agencies in Australia. And I was really fortunate that I was given a job there. And about three months into working at Chic, one of the owners of the business, it was just like his small side business, even though it was a a huge, a huge company for him, it was a, a side business, I guess. And he said to me, you know, how come I've got an investment banking analyst working in a modeling agency? And so, you know, I told him my background and and he offered me an opportunity to to work on a a new business model, which he was developing. And that was a company called Amazim, which is a mobile only SIM business. So I was really fortunate to go on a journey of of raising money, bringing together some really great founders and then taking that, you know, business, being part of a team that would take that business from sort of a PowerPoint presentation to an IPO in, in six years. And during that time, you know, is where my co-founder, Jono, and I came up with the idea for Airtasker. And that's yep. what it takes us up to now. Wow. And, and so with both those roles, you mentioned the internship in Macquarie and also in Sheik Management. Mm. How did you get into those roles? So you mentioned with pro bonos. So is that essentially you're working there for a year unpaid? Like... It's kind of ironic because, you know, Macquarie was obviously known as the millionaire's factory back then. And, you know, they weren't paying me anything when I was an intern. And so, so that's always, you know, hard to swallow. But at the end of the day, it's prioritizing the opportunity over like any short term kind of money. Like, and, and when you think about it, you know, as a student working there a couple of days a week, you might get a couple of dollars out of that. But I think experience working there was far more valuable. And, now and I'm just, regards, yeah, I'm just thinking out loud, like I'm thinking, okay, so you're, you're working in a role which is not paying and I'm thinking, well, have you got a, a side hustle of Airtasker yourself to just be able to live? Well, like it's just... well, I guess my side hustle was living at home with my mother, you know, <laughs> while during university. So it wasn't great for, you know, finding a girlfriend, but it was, um, <laughs> it was good for being able to go out and do free work for people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. And so there's, there's a couple of other things. And so there's clearly an entrepreneurial slant now on picking up but there's a couple of other things you're involved in, like the Circuit Club or Joy Button or Tankstream Labs. Do you want to touch on, I guess, yeah, going back to Amazim, you've kind of, I don't know, has it, is that what's put you on this path to all these different businesses? And Oh, I think um, rather than thinking of them as businesses, some of them were just, you know, things that we enjoyed doing or that we were interested in. So I guess Circuit Club was the first real business that, you know, started with Ivan, Daniel and Narada all my university friends and and that was out of necessity you know we really love racing you know our honda little cars and we really wanted to be able to go out to the racetrack and to be able to do it in a safe place where we could really sort of push our cars hard and we couldn't afford that during university so 
we basically put a, together a bunch of money and we said, you know, we're going to rent out the whole truck and then we're going to, you know, sell tickets to it to be able to make money off other people. And, and they would essentially pay for us to go to the track. Yeah. And so we did that. And, and that's, I guess, what Circuit Club is. And yeah, I guess most of those other businesses are, are you know, Tankstream Labs came out of the Airtasker office. And, you know, we just had this office space. We thought we should use it. And so that's how that came about. So it's, it's, it's fairly organic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, sure. Okay. And so Airtasker, so for those that maybe haven't heard of what Airtasker is, do you want to tell us how that sort of started? Yeah. So in 2011, I was living in an apartment with three other guys, which was a bit of a, you know, a, bit of a hellhole. <laughs> but 2011, I was moving out and I asked one of my mates, Ivan, who is part of Circuit Club too, I said, you know, can you come and help me move apartments? Because you run a chicken factory and so you've got this truck. And so he said, you know, yep, I'll, I'll help you move. And, and we spent the weekend, you know, doing all those little jobs you have to do, like assembling the IKEA furniture, packing boxes and cleaning and all these kinds of things. And at the end of the weekend, when I, I, I turned around to him and I said, thanks, he was like, you know, you're the fourth person that's asked me to help them move in the last six months because everybody says the same thing. You've got this truck and I, I need someone <laughs> with a truck. And yep. so, you know, that, that instantly kind of got us thinking, why is it that we ask our friends and our family who are like super busy, they want to help you with these kinds of jobs. We ask those people to help with these things, but yet there's, you know, a huge underemployment rate in Australia where people want to be working more and earning some extra money. And, you know, a beer costs $10 in the cities. So, you know, people need that extra money, but yet we're still annoying our friends and family. So we thought, why can't we find a way to connect those people together? And really what it came down to is trust. You know, it's very difficult to trust someone, you know, even though 99% of people are good, everything that we do in society is kind of assumes that they could be bad. And so I don't want to deal with this person. I don't want to let them into my house because they might be bad. And obviously at a overall level, that's like a really inefficient thing because chances are people that you work with are going to be good and honest. Yeah. And you're sort of touching on you know, reputation and brand and I've just in some of my prep work, you know, that was sort of a theme that was coming through and especially around not burning bridges as you're sort of progressing through your career. So how have you managed to build that? Because I know eBay sort of was sort of one of the ones that pioneered the market, but how does that sort of play out in the Airtasker business model, that trust and online identity? Yeah, so I guess, you know, there are a few aspects of trust. One of them is identity. So verifying that you are actually you. And so we do things like that with email, with mobile SMS. You're able to now verify your ID on Airtasker. So there's this aspect of, are you actually you? The second thing is we're bringing in a bunch of, I guess, third-party validation into our marketplace. So we have things like police checks that you can do on our platform. We also released just yesterday a partnership with the Commonwealth Bank which essentially allows you to plug into their API, verify your internet banking details and attach those details to your Airtasker account, which is hugely powerful because you've obviously done a bunch of ID checks with the bank too. Yep. And then the third aspect, which is probably the most important one, is all around reviews and references from people that you've interacted with in the Airtasker marketplace. And so, you know, if someone does a good job for you, you can leave them a good review. If someone does a less good job for you, you can leave them a bad review. But nevertheless, all of that information helps the next person who's going to work with you. It's going to help them make a, a decision whether for good or for bad. Yeah, I've certainly experienced that as well. And I, 
I generally have a pretty good selection for the type of tasks that I'm asking to get done. And yeah, I'm always looking at the reviews. And so I spend a bit of time looking at that and what other people say. And yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's paid off. And it, it just gives me that trust that, okay, I can use this other person to, to do that task or whatever it is. So yeah. Yeah, I think those indicators of trust, you know, third party validation is really, really important for a couple of reasons. One is obviously you see heaps of fake reviews on, you know, things like TripAdvisor and, you know, these other platforms where you don't actually have to engage with the person to review them. So we think it's really important that we actually know that you engage with that person before you reviewed them. But also is that there is no one objective view of what good is. And throughout the Airtasker marketplace, People are helping with things like photography, handyman jobs, delivery, website design, SEO, so many of these different kinds of jobs. And, and we think that the only way you can really have a true understanding of who's done a good job and who's not is to understand all the data. And mm. So we're super transparent with, with how we share that data uh, with our community. Yeah, yeah great. And um, yeah, so I guess you've, I mean, you're, it's, it's essentially you've created a, a new marketplace. So, I mean, these jobs, I mean, you could argue they existed in some form, but So you want to talk through, I guess, I imagine it's impacting on the wider sort of labor market. And I know there's sort of people that are full-time air taskers now. And yes, it's it's actually, I was going to say disrupting, but it's it's impacting in a good way people's ability to access work and vice versa, get things done. Our data suggests that about half the jobs on Airtasker are completely new jobs that don't fit into any kind of existing vertical that exists out there now. So when you get someone who's going to go and help you hand out flyers on the corner, or you're going to get someone to help you with some really specific market research concept or or making a funny type of delivery that is quite unique. There's so many things on the Antarctica marketplace that just you would not be able to buy when you think about services in that traditional sort of vertical by making it much easier to find someone to help you with these kinds of jobs air task is actually opening up more traditional jobs too so for example cleaning a lot of people just found it it's too daunting it's too scary to go and try and find a cleanup because i don't know what it should cost i don't know who's going to fleece me i don't trust people etc so air task is also helping to unlock a bunch of, of those jobs too and then lastly, of course, there are the traditional jobs which would have existed anyway. And Airtask is simply providing an easier way for, for you to manage those. So I think, yeah, you're right. More than disrupting, Airtask is definitely creating a whole bunch of new jobs that simply wouldn't exist if we weren't here. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, Airtask in its own right now is, is a huge, well, not, not a huge, I mean, it's grown into a pretty significant sort of company. So I guess going back to your career and your own personal story, having that entrepreneurial slant, you know, I imagine things are a bit more structured now as opposed to when it was, you know, just the two of you creating this thing together and you're living, I think you said three people in the one apartment or something. So things have sort of moved on. So how have you adjusted and, you know, are you you a corporate citizen now or are you still sort of impatiently entrepreneurial? How are you adjusting there? Well, I think, you know, the number one thing that I like to sort of preach about is balance. You know, everything's a balance. It's not super entrepreneurial one way and super corporatized the other way. And and there's nothing in between. I think in all of these arguments, there is absolutely an area that fits in between. And usually it's a spectrum. Obviously, when you start out with, you know, one or two guys, you can really call the shots on, on what needs to happen. And that will happen really quickly. And then as you move, you know, a year ago, we were about 20 people and that was getting a little harder. 
and now we're sort of 70 people and that's and that's quite hard to do and I think we're definitely going through some of those growing pains that people talk about you know as you, you get a bigger team it's harder to communicate it gets more complicated you need to start creating more rules etc and you know I guess this is my big 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 challenge now is really like empowering a group of people to go out and, and be able to take this company further you know to cliche but stepping away from it and just basically arming people with what they need to go out and, and win. So different challenges, but challenges all the same. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I can imagine. So just another thing, and it's probably consistent with what air, the service air task it brings is just around delegation and leveraging through, I guess, a wider workforce than yourself. And uh, it was certainly one of the challenges I've worked through around, well, why would I get someone else to do it when I can do that? But, you know, when you have a small kid and you have a small business and, and a day job and all sorts yeah. of stuff, you start realizing that you can't do everything. Oh, um, for sure. And you know what? Time is money. One of the analogies I give, like, like some people sort of have a misconception that Airtask is about laziness or it's about, you know, doing things that you should just be doing yourself just because. And actually, one of the things I often say to people to sort of paint that picture is, you know, like when you go and buy a roast chicken from Woolworths, I mean... You have engaged with someone, you've paid somebody to raise a chicken, kill the chicken, defeather the chicken, cook the chicken, and package it and deliver it to your nearby woolies, right? And yep. it seems to raise my own chickens and kill them all and, and do all of those things myself. But then why is that normalized by getting someone to help clean your house or pack some boxes mm. for you? That's not an acceptable thing to outsource. So actually, I think that overall, it's, it's about doing the things that you are good at or doing the things that you enjoy doing and finding ways to connect with other people who, who feel the same way about the jobs that you might not like doing or you might not be good at. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And yeah, it was something that I was yeah, personally always struggled with until he finally let it go. And it took many coaching sessions to help me through it. But yeah, when you start valuing your own time, regardless of what you're doing with it, yeah, yeah it's much easier to... Get people and, and, keeping in mind that, and keeping in mind that, you know, you can use that time to go do better stuff. Yeah. You know, like it's not just, you know, the choice is not watch TV or go, or go do some cleaning. The choice is go do some cleaning or start a business, which is going to change the mm. world or, yeah. you know, go out and get fit or, or do these things that, that might be more useful. Yeah, no, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Well, it's actually a good segue and it might've even been answering sort of advice to yourself. But, you know, is, is there advice that you'd like to share with the listeners that you had or you should have had? Or I'd probably say, you know, just jump in. It's probably, you know, something that, that I would share with people who are working, you know, in successful jobs or, or have sort of found themselves in a consistent place. And it's not for everybody. But, you know, if you do want to go and do something entrepreneurial, I think one of the main things that entrepreneurs, one of the main talents that entrepreneurs have is a really short memory. And that basically means you're not going to think about all those risks and all those things that can go wrong and, you know, uh, all of those things. I think that if you want to go do something, just go do it, do it quickly. And if you fail, that's okay. And go back to doing what you were doing before. There's not a lot to lose. So I think, yeah, I would say just do it is my, yep. my bit no, of advice okay. there. Great. Yeah, just maybe if we could talk through or share some of the habits that you experience. I mean, there's so much stuff that's going on. So you're obviously doing some things differently or really effectively is, is there any habits that you can share that you know you've benefited from so i guess some of the things i, I do now is i really try to be quite routine driven 
And so things like, you know, do your running or your exercise in the morning, go to the office at the same time every day, even though, you know, you don't have a, a boss that you're reporting to. I think it's critical to be disciplined with your own routine. And then equally disciplined with, you know, go home, pick a time. Like for me, I go home at seven o'clock every night. I don't stay in the office generally later than that unless, you know, some sort of emergency or something. You know, when I go home, I try to just spend time with my dog and my wife and, and watch some TV or, or do something outside of work. That works about half the time. But yeah. <laughs> I think that the main thing there is set routine and set discipline for yourself because, you know, you hear a lot of people who, who say they want to go do something entrepreneurial, but then they, you know, just end up sort of watching a bunch of videos on YouTube or, you know, jumping on Quora or Reddit instead of focusing on, on what they need to do. And so setting yourself an office and a timetable is a great way to build that discipline. Yeah, great. And it sounds like, you know, you're fairly balanced as well. So you're actually planning for non-work things, if that makes sense. So whether it was yeah, time at home. And- yeah, I mean, just planning to give that time to somebody else or something else. And, and I'm sure my wife will tell you that I, I'm not very good at it, but that's <laughs> definitely what I'm aspiring to as well. So that's the aspiration. That's the plan. And then sometimes it doesn't go to that. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you what would be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. Okay, so just, I guess, some more shares with the listeners. Is there a book that you'd recommend that, you know, you found beneficial that you picked up and had a read of? So I really enjoy reading biographies because I find that rather than getting advice per se, it's better to just read about people's experiences and sort of take away, you know, how that applies to what you're working on. So this year I read a couple of those books. I really liked the book Shoe Dog, which is from the, the story the founder of Nike. Because it wasn't that pretty a story. It was a, a long, hard struggle. And that was great to learn from. Wasn't his first pair of Nikes made in the, or Nikes made in the waffle, his mum's waffle machine, and that became the soul or something? Was that it? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. had this crazy running professor who was like, who ruined like many, many waffle machines, putting <laughs> plastic stuff into, into the thing. <laughs> yeah, so it was, yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, no, it can't be good for for your lungs, I guess, burning rubber. Yeah, um, <laughs> sacrificed his health for the company. Yeah, and I guess yeah, just one of some of the one of the final sort of questions was around mentoring. So you mentioned sort of sheep management, how you sort of fell into that, whether it was through a love of yeah. Barry Goldsmith or how you got into that business. But do you want to just sort of talk us through? I don't know how you got your mentors and yeah, what what you did to get them and have they changed and that sort of stuff? Yeah, well, I guess mentors, I think, are really, really important to learn from guys who are, you know, done it before. And so, you know, definitely Peter O'Connell was, you know, the guy who ran the modeling agency and he was a great mentor to me, mainly leading by example and, and pushing me pretty hard in the early days of, of that business. So I think that was really great. And then, you know, as we've been on the Airtasker journey, I guess it's been more working with some great VCs and also with some great angel investors. So, you know, Peter Hammond, who was our first investor from Exto Partners, a Sydney-based VC, has been, you know, an awesome guide for me. And then more recently, Jane Spensley, our chairman, who was one of the founders of Vocus Telecommunications, has been an, you know, an epic example to follow. Yeah, great. And so are these mentors sort of coming to you through, I guess, business engagements as opposed to you seeking them out or? Yeah, I think it's always good to have context, you know. One of the things that, you know, people ask for, you know, to have advice or something like that. And 
it's really hard when somebody says, oh, I just want you to have a look overall at this business plan. Tell me what you think kind of yeah. thing. I think you've really got to put in the effort, the hard yards, I guess, to articulate how you want that person to help you and then be really proactive in seeking out that help. And then kind of like the worst thing that can happen is they say no. Uh, but the best thing that can happen is, is you go and work on something together. But I think, yeah, you definitely want to have context. Yeah, sure. Yeah, makes sense. So just before we sort of wrap up, I just had another question just out of curiosity because I guess you'd have access to the jobs running through Airtasker. I mean, what's, what's one that rings out in your mind? Is, was there a real strange one or just a, a funny job that you've come up and you're just like, oh, my well, gosh. What is, oh, I mean, there's, there's tons of those. And, you know, we get everything from, you know, elaborate wedding proposals to, you know, people saying you've got to travel overseas and, and do X, Y, Z. I guess one of the really nice ones that came up recently was a guy who posted up, feed a homeless person, you know, buy the food yourself and, and go feed a homeless person and take a photo as proof. And I guess that that was kind of something that got reposted over and over again in the marketplace by other people who were inspired by that lovely, I guess, gesture. Yeah. And so, so that's, I guess, innovative way of using a task. And I really like that because what it shows is that when some person has the innovation, the creativity to create a job around something, you can inspire a bunch of other people as well to follow suit. And you know, that's how industries are created. So, you know, yeah. someone would have discovered, hey, I can put some rubber on the soles of my feet and, and that makes, you know, more comfortable to walk around. And, yeah. you know, that's spawned an entire industry. And, and so I guess you can say that Airtasker sees the spawning of like lots and lots of these micro industries every day. Mm, yeah. Wow. Okay. So just, yes, yeah, so for those that are listening in and they want to, you know, they're resonating with the story and they're thinking, well, wow, I'd love to get some people to do some things for me or, you know, how would they go about getting in touch with yourself or Airtask or the brand? Yeah. How do they go about signing up or what's the process? Yeah. So it's really simple. You basically can go to airtasker.com or download our iOS or Android apps. You then post a task. It's totally free to post a task. You just describe what you want and when you want to plan and a, and a budget for that, you'll usually get two to three offers from our workers within about 10 minutes. You look at their, their ratings and their reviews and their profiles to see if it's the right person for you. And if it is, you can assign them to that task. You pay through the app when the job's done, you release the money out to the worker and you leave them a review. And that's what really helps, I guess, us be able to improve our service for the next person and the next person and the next person by increasing the, the transparency of the information in the marketplace. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, yeah, thank you very much for yeah, staying back late and taking the call and sharing with the listeners. And yeah, really appreciate and really, really excited to see sort of, you know, the next steps for Airtasker considering the, the growth trajectory it's been on. So yeah, once again, thanks very much for sharing with the listeners. And yeah, for those listening in, tune in again next week for another great show. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you liked today's show. You can hop online to find out more about our mentor. There's links in how to contact them. There's also links around the books that they've recommended and how you might go about getting your hands on them. Mentorless.com.au